0: That's great. Good morning everybody once again and welcome to a new series. It's going to run for five weeks and it's called Activated. How many of you know that we need to be intentional in our relationships with God? Amen. Jesus is active. Not only is he alive, he's involved, he's working Behind the scenes, He's working on those prayers that you've been praying. He's saving people. He's working miracles in the lives of those who trust Him. And because He's alive and active, we ought to be alive and active, right? Amen. Come on. Yeah. The question is, are we? Are you alive and activated in your Christianity? Yeah. Do you live an intentional life? Come on now. So we want to be make, studying this, this next five weeks, what it means to live like an activated church in our community. Um, you know, in the Bible, there's this instance where, the, um, where leaders are considering among themselves what to do with the disciples. And one of the quotes is they say this. They said, you know, those people who've turned the world upside down, they've come here too. And we need to deal with this now. Do you think the Crowley community has... Uh, since we've existed here, said, oh my goodness, those OSC people have arrived. What are we going to do with them? <laughs> well, I hope that they notice we're here already. Uh, maybe some banners up front would help. I just, I just realized that <laughs> before the service. But nonetheless, if they can't see us through our acts, if they can't see us through our influence, then what need is, it? what use is a banner, right? We want to be an activated church in this area. and um, It's been said that the local church is the hope of the world, but I, I've been thinking about this because I, I believe that, but but then two-thirds, well, a third of the world is, is, is Christian, supposedly. Think about that. A third of the world, almost, just, just short of a third of the world, consider themselves to be Christian. And yet I don't see us dominating every sphere of society. I don't see us making policy. I don't see us setting down the rules for social conduct. I see many other groups, often groups that are, insignificant when it comes to you know how large they are being there having the loudest voices being out there having the most influence now i don't think just the local church is the hope of the world i think an activated church is the hope of the world when a church is a, a feelable in a society that's when i think they become the hope of the world and so over the next five weeks we're going to look more and more and more into the book of acts Because I really think that that is where we see what an activated church looks like, right? You thought about all the things that the apostles did, the feats, the miracles, um, their deaths. No matter what they did, they did it in such a way that really made an impact. And so um, I don't think that that's just for back in the day. I think that's for us today. God wants us to have that kind of impact on our community And in our society. So let's start reading. Acts 12. You can follow on the screen or open up your own Bible. I'm reading from verse 1 in the New Living Translation. It says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James killed with a sword. When you read other historic accounts, this was a horrific death. It says here by the sword, but it's a euphemism for being cut open from his navel to his chin and letting his entrails spill and then left to die. These weren't just deaths. These were executions of the most horrific kind to deter them from continuing to spread the word of God. He was just killed with a sword. So when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, that's sixteen. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial over the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. But while Peter was in church, the church in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So one constant narrative in Acts is that the disciples was praying about everything and before everything and after everything. And um, I believe it's because of this fervent prayer life that they saw God's hand move so significantly. So let's just quickly look through the book of Acts. This is going to be a stunning little expose of uh, what we're going to be studying. Um, But in Acts 1, it says that they prayed before they chose leaders. They asked God's wisdom about who they should appoint uh, into leadership positions. Number four, they prayed after they were persecuted. persecuted. Not for protection or for salvation from it, but for boldness. To keep doing what caused them to be killed. (laughs) That's crazy. They They also gave themselves to constant prayer. It says that they were constantly meeting home to home and praying. Um, Acts 8, they prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, they prayed for signs and wonders. Acts 10, they prayed and Cornelius and his whole family got saved. 12, they prayed for Peter to be released from prison and he was they prayed and set people apart from mission work. That's 13. 14, they prayed before setting people aside for new ministry assignments. 16, they prayed in prison and saw a miracle. 20, they prayed before departing to another church. 21, they prayed before, they prayed for Paul to went to, before he went to Jerusalem. 22, they prayed in worship, receiving guidance for future plans. And 28, they prayed for signs and wonders. Those people were praying. It seems that they were just doing everything, bathing everything, and preceding everything, and then following everything up with prayer. I wonder if this has something to do with the power that was released through their lives in those early times. I think every great thing that God wants to do in and through us is connected to our prayer lives. And I wonder how many things I've missed before because I wasn't paying attention to what Jesus is saying. Just think of this right now. Can, can anybody physically, with their physical ears right now, hear a1 playing. Right. Nobody crazy in here today? Good. So, but is A1 playing? You better believe A1 is playing. Go out to your car right now, tune into, what is it? 89.5 or something. You'll catch A1. Why can't we hear A1 right now? Somebody in the first service says, because we're listening to you. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> Hopefully you're not sad about that. But the bottom line is we can't hear Air One right now because we're not receiving. We don't have a receiver, but if I touch a little button on the screen right now, it's called an app, and up, uh, you know, boom, all of a sudden we're all gonna be hearing Air One play. Why? Because Air One is transmitting. And the moment we tune in, we'll start hearing. Now think about this. God is always transmitting. He's always either through encouragement or love. And if he doesn't have anything specific to say, he's going to be loving on you and encouraging you and motivating you to keep going on your walk and into your destiny. He is always talking, but we're not always listening. And what we want to do through this time of prayer that we're moving into is we want to create a habit of listening more regularly for God because he's always talking. He's always talking. All right, so in Luke 11, verse 1, one of these disciples of Jesus was a wise guy. Not not in that sense. He was really a wise man. Um, He said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Now, I thought about this. How many miracles did Jesus do? I mean, he changed bread into a lot of bread. He turned fish into a lot of fish. He raised people from the dead, right? He, He... you know, he walked on water. He, you know, he did the most astounding acts, miracle works. And yet this disciple goes, teach us how to pray. Not teach me how to raise the dead. Teach me how to walk on water. Teach me how to make bread multiply. He simply asked, teach me how to pray. I think this guy, these guys were starting to see something about being with Jesus that leads to other things Rather than other things that need to be the focus, they were starting to see the importance that Jesus put on meeting, connecting, being together. That Jesus had a desire for people to connect with him as an individual, not just, you know, pursue the things that he was about. Um, and I think I think this was probably where most of the power lied. It was not in trying to do amazing things, but it was actually in spending time in the presence of an amazing person. Every time Jesus came out of prayer, miracles seemed to happen. Because he was with God. And I wonder if, if that presence that he brought with him, if that is actually what makes prayers being answered. If that's actually what makes the difference. Not the fact that we're praying, but the person who we were with and who we, the, 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 the presence of the person that we're bringing into our situation. So in Mark 9, the disciples are trying to cast out a demon, and they're struggling to do that. And Jesus replies, this kind of thing can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So sometimes there are things in our lives that are going to persist that are that are... You know, it's, it's, it's issues or things that just don't resolve because we prayed once. So we're going to have to spend time with God until that thing moves, until that thing shifts. And um, God wants us first and foremost to seek His face and not His hand anyways. And so whenever these things come for us, James 1 says, Hey, when trouble comes, let it be an opportunity for joy. Because trouble always pushes us to God, Right? So for me, when I find myself in a challenge, I go, oh my goodness. What an opportunity to meet with God about something. And, not, and, I don't know, and, and that doesn't mean that I'm not like, emotional about it. It doesn't mean that I don't find it hard. But to train my mind in that perspective that, hey, this is providing me with good reason to go and press into God for this thing. Man, that is a great opportunity for joy not for sorrow, not for, you know, um, for depression. Um, and so I think if we would venture out and spend time with God and be in his presence more, I think we will see a lot of things happen in our community, but it takes a praying community to move a community. It's not just going to happen because a pastor is praying. It's going to happen because a congregation, a group of believers are standing together for some things to shift. So, here's a guy called Samuel Chadwick. Now, he was like the, um, the leader, the principal, the president of, it, of a theological training school that, led, that trained so many missionaries that worked all across the world in, in, in God's mission. Um, I don't know, some of you might have heard of a guy called Hudson Taylor, and he was a profound missionary who led a whole region into mission into China inland area to share the gospel and to preach the gospel to people. And um, Hudson Taylor is just a legend in you know, the Christian history, and Chadwick and Taylor would partner together, and he would send him missionaries to go with him onto this China inland mission, a significant Christian leader of uh, previous generation. He said the following. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies or prayerless work or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Power turns ordinary mortals into people. Prayer. Did I say power? Prayer turns ordinary mortals into people of power. It brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, because it brings God into a situation. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer. There are three things about a church that actively seeks God, faith, and prayer. An activated church. Because after all, it's not the local church that's the hope of the world, but it's the activated church. It's the church that seeks God for his will in our situation, that is gonna be the hope of the world. In in Acts twelve five it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Now it says the first word here is but. So but is like a it's like a, a word used to indicate that there's something different gonna happen in the next part of the sentence from what was happening in the previous direction. Like for instance, I was traveling on I-10, but then I took exit 80 to come to Cinema 4, right? So I'm no longer going on I-10. I made a turn. The word but indicates that there's going to be a change. Here's what prayer does. It brings a but into my life. It says that, hey, I've been going in this direction, but I started praying. Or, but God told me to change. Or, but I Heard the Lord say, and now I'm doing something different. I used to be an insecure person, but God brought boldness into my life. Right? Come on. Prayer brings that change of direction. It changes things for me. If I start praying about something, my outlook starts changing. My expectation starts changing about that thing. Right? Come on. Now Luke 22 says the following. Jesus is speaking and he says, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Are you glad Jesus is praying for us? Jesus prayed for those disciples. He prayed for us while he was with his disciples, and he's still praying for us. The Bible calls him the great intercessor. That's prayer. Jesus is praying for your life right now. He's praying that God's will will prevail in every little situation that you find yourself in right now. Jesus is saying, hey, I know your mistakes. Regardless, I'm praying for you. I know how you've messed up. I know your shortcomings. I know that you are inadequate, but I am praying for you. And that but brings a change. It brings His will and way into our lives. It brings His kingdom to us, like He taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Earth is going one way. Society is going one way. But if we start praying, We'll introduce a change of direction. We'll start bringing the will of God into our environment. Who believes that? Come on. Amen. Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. And you know what? Often that standard, it actually is imp- it, it, it's ushered in through prayer. It's ushered in through people praying. This counts for your individual personal life, but this counts for us as a church in Crowley as well. All right, so... Regardless of what our feelings say, regardless of what the doctors say, regardless of what your children say, regardless of what your spouse says, stop praying about it. Stop praying about it. Because the doctor might have given you six months to live. If you stop praying, it'll change. Your marriage might be over in every other world standard. But if you start praying, God can save it. Your child might be off the rails. You start praying and keep praying and prevail in prayer. God will bring a change in that situation. All right, so James 5 encourages us by saying, hey, Elijah. Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. Did you guys know that Elijah came to a point where he was even suicidal? He just wanted to die. He was so depressed and so disappointed, he felt so alone that he just wanted to end it all. This is the man who prayed, according to um, scripture, that it would not rain. And then it did not rain for three years. A mere mortal like you and I prayed something and God answered powerfully. This guy who saw that many great works of God comes to a point in his life where he just wants to end it. He was a man just like you and I, yet he prayed. And as he prayed, things around him changed. As he prayed, he met with God, and God was able to raise him up again and to give him victory over his circumstances again. The danger of us in church in the, this amazing country with such many freedoms. Is that we just become bigger and bigger, but we don't increase in influence as we grow. We become complacent. The more this venue fills up, the more we feel accomplished. And then our prayer life will basically just drop to the level of that complacency. And we'll just be praying like, you know, little prayers. Not wrong prayers, but little prayers. Like, you know, God bless this quarter pounder that I've received. Or, you know, Lord, we're going on vacation. Please give us traveling mercies. No, n- not wrong prayers. You should be thankful you can afford a quarter pounder, and you should be praying for traveling mercies. And He grants them, right? He does because He answers our prayer. But what if we, as a community, just started praying for something big, something so big that if it happened, we'd all know that this was God. This could not have come about by our own cleverness or our own intention. I was thinking, why don't we just trust God for a building that we don't even have to pray for? I I, I rephrase. Why don't we trust God for a building that we don't even have to pay for? Come on. Now, if that starts happening, if we see that happen, we'll all go like, oh my goodness. This could have only been Jesus, right? But the same counts for you. Why don't you start praying for that job? Why don't you start praying for that company? Why don't you start praying for that business? It's not going to go anywhere until you start expecting something different. And when we see God's face, when we see His glory, His standard, when we look at His plan, and then we look at our existence, it draws us to reach for more. It encourages us to step out and receive more from Him. We'd never want to be a church that just prays small prayers. We want to be a praying church that when, when we receive things from God's hand, we'll all know only God can get the glory for this. Because this, it has His thumbprint all over it. Couldn't have done this on our own. This is why we're entering into this time of prayer. Um, Pastor Josh was announcing on the the screen, the 21 days of prayer, because we want to create a culture where we're connecting with God. We want to see those big things happen, but we're not going to get them done through more effort. Our work is not to make more things happen. Our work is to be with the one who makes things happen. Our work is to press into the presence of God more and to hear his heart more and to spend fellowship time with him more. As we enter into his presence more, his presence transforms us. And then we get to reflect that change, that difference to the people around us. And that's what brings faith, hope, encouragement, boldness to take on things that normally we would not do because you know we look at our own standard and our own ability. And we just go, whoa, that's is too big for me. Looking into the face of God makes us feel the impossible is possible. Amen? So there's a couple of things that happen as we start praying. Number one, you know, prayer starts changing things around us. Um, there's this quote that says, you know, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on a Sunday morning. You can tell how popular a pastor is by who comes at the Sunday evening church service. And then you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting in the week. I don't know how true that is, but um, let me tell you, I'm going to encourage you to come to our prayer meetings this week. On Tuesday and Thursday evening from 6 to 7 at our office here in Crowley, we're going to be having corporate prayer. and We want to invite each and every one of you to come spend time with Jesus. And you know what? We did it for 21 days for a reason cuz you can endure change you can endure something t- doing an extra task or an extra meeting for about a week or so without changing but if you want to if you want to do something for about 3 weeks you're going to need to start planning different your schedule is going to need to adjust a little to accommodate this new thing that is you know now a part of your uh, a part of your your calendar and so we did that specifically because we don't want this to be just a one-and-done thing. You know, okay, we prayed for a week, and, and now we move on with our lives unchanged. We want this to change our schedules so that we will be with Jesus more frequently. So please come out Tuesday evening and Thursday evening at 6. If you don't know where our church office is, it's on our app, but it's also at 22... No, 2, 2, twenty. Yes, 220 Mill Street. I think it's that way, more or less. <laughs> that way. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because cause this building looks like that and the street goes there and I found myself again. Yes. But if you did not cannot find yourself, you can ask the Google and he will tell you. <laughs> I only act dumb. I'm actually clever. Okay. <laughs> um, so... So 6 to 7 p.m. Tuesday and Thursday, come and join us. It's going to be awesome. We're going to spend time with God, and we're going to pray. Pray for many different things in our society, in our personal lives, um, and also for our church. So we want to invite you to come to that. Now, the second thing that happens as we activate ourselves to pray is that we start changing. We start changing. I mentioned that the moment I pray about something, suddenly my perspective about it shifts a little. And if I pray a lot about something, then suddenly I start expecting something different to happen than what is currently, you know, its projected um, uh, direction. Now, the Bible says that, you know, if you spend time with wise people, you will become wise. If you spend time with foolish people, bad company will corrupt your good character. Who we spend our time with influences us. In fact, they say that you can look at the five closest people in your life, and like the average of who they are and what they've accomplished will be kind of where you rise to. Sometimes if you stay there long enough, you might drop to that level even. We want to be spending time with people that influence us to go closer to Jesus and to um, you know, progress in our walk with God, not make us stagnate. And uh, I've often had to ask myself, Am either, am I pulling the average up or am I, <laughs> am I pulling the average down? And I always want to be one that challenges people to pull the average up. Because honestly, there have been seasons in my life where I slacked off, you know, tapped off completely. And, and I'll probably, you know, as 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 bad as it is to say, I'll probably pull the average down a little. Um, but we shouldn't stay there. Once we realize that, that's where we, you know, you have to act. You have to activate and start being the one. That makes people want to be with Jesus and walk closer with Jesus. All right. So in verse 5 it says, when they prayed um, for Peter, uh, they, they were, the object of the prayer was Peter. And didn't it, didn't it change things for Peter radically? You know the story as it goes? Yeah? Well, Peter got out. Yeah. And 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 they, when they realized Peter was out, man, that did something to them that helped them to grow in their faith. Prayer changes us. Um, but it's important who we spend our time with. If you're going to spend your time with naysayers the whole time or people that are doom prophets the whole time, probably your outlook on you know life isn't going to be all that positive. But if you spend your time with Jesus and people who have been with Jesus, then your outlook on things becomes God's view and point of view of things. And when we then pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done, we find ourselves in that place where my will has become in line with his will. And when I want something for Crowley, it is Jesus, because Jesus wants something for Crowley, right? If I want something for my family, it's because Jesus wants that thing, very thing for my family. Um... So it is very important for us to make sure that we spend our time, spend the majority of our time with people who are seeking Jesus in their lives. Now, John 14 says, Jesus says, he brings this whole thing into, into perspective. He says, like, I want you to spend time with me. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I made a home in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. You are joined with me. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, just come visit me on a Sunday. Come. We sometimes say, hey, welcome to the house of the Lord. We should say, houses of the Lord, welcome together to Cinema 4. You are the house of the Lord, for crying out loud. The Holy Spirit indwells not temples made by human hands, but the sanctuary of our hearts. Right? And so when we spend time with God, we're creating an, an, we're creating an abode. We're creating a home for Jesus where He can be you know, at home. And when he, he, he becomes ruler of the household. The more I spend time with Christ, the more He becomes ruler of my household. The more my mind comes in line with Him. The more my actions come in line with Him. Struggling against patterns of sin, spend time with Jesus. Don't start striving against that sin. The more you focus on that sin, the more you're going to do that sin. Start focusing on Jesus. Point your gaze the other direction. Don't look at it. Be with God. Be about His business. It leads you away from everything that is against His will. He will not lead you into things that are not from Him. He's going to lead you in the exact opposite direction. But if we will spend time with him, that's what's going to happen with our lives. See, our strive is, uh, uh, is not to, to work harder to be perfect. It's for us to actually just be with him. And then that transformation takes place by itself. We often say to people, "Hey, just give us one, just give us one year. One year all in. It's a challenge we put in front of people. By the end of that year, if you've if you've done how if you've jumped into what we as a church, how we follow Jesus, how we pursue God, and how we make a difference in our society, if you've done, if you've really committed, and you've really jumped in, by the end of that time, if you don't want to be long, you don't want anything to, to do with God or with us, then we'll bless you as you go. But I know. And I've seen so many testimonies of that. People say, I'm in my first year. I'm in my one year. And I'm like, How's it going? And they're saying, man, it's different from when I was just attending. It's different from when I was just uh, on the outside of, you know, everything looking into everybody busy with stuff and everybody feeling a part of the community, joining life groups, doing next step. Be, you know, I never, I never used to go to these, these prayer things that y'all held, but you know, this time around I went and, man, I'm so glad I did. You will be surprised how much Jesus can transform your life if you jump in. You know, we've got a picture of Michael Jordan on the screen. Um, I don't know some time ago there was Michael Jordan craze. Man, that craze even reached South Africa where I'm from. Um, everybody wanted to be like Mike, you know. They, they adopted his mannerisms. They, you know, took his style. Everybody wanted to wear, you know, his shoes and and everybody just wanted to be like Mike. Be like Mike was the thing. Well, it's funny how you know people try to be like Mike. And 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 when we were, when we would play basketball, they would try Mike's moves, you know, and <laughs> try to dunk and try to you know be as cool as he on the, him on the court. But <laughs> nobody could do that really, right? We were just like you know the the best way somebody could say you know that they're. Move was going to be a reference to Mike because you had to call it. You know, before you made a move, you had to go, Michael Jordan! You know, <laughs> or something. Because if you did that, nobody would see Mike and you because it was horrible. Why was it so horrible? Because you weren't Mike in private. You didn't spend all that drills on the court, you didn't spend all that time practicing behind the scene in private. No way you're going to be Mike in public. You know what's sometimes weird and dangerous? It's when, when Christians sh- 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 try to be Jesus in public, but they haven't been with Jesus. They don't really know how Jesus is. That's, that's scary, man. You know, so so, so, so you, you're representing Jesus, but you're going off on somebody. Like, uh... Now I understand, nobody's perfect. So there's grace for that. Jesus has grace for that. But it awakens us to the fact that we need to be with Jesus in private. We need to learn how it's like in private with God so that we can represent Him better when it is in public. Um, And we can all draw close to Him. Now, during this 21 days of prayer, I just know that God is going to show Himself to us. He's going to help us to look into His face and learn Him better so that we can represent Him better. Um, And then when we're with God, the third thing that happens is we're, we're empowered to trust Him. Even when things go completely weird in our lives, we're able to hold on to Him because when our circumstances contradict His promises, we know Him better Than to believe that our circumstances are true. We've learned to trust him because we know him. We've been with him. In Acts 2, verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, uh, he was what? Asleep, right? Who do you think he got that from? Yeah, where? In the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the boat while everybody else was going, we're all going to die. And he was sleeping. So at least Peter learned something from Christ. Christ, right? In the midst of trouble, in the midst of complete chaos in your life, what's the best thing to do? Just rest. Don't be losing sleep over things that you have no control over. Take a sleep. Psalm 3 says the following, I lie down and I sleep because the Lord sustains me. Psalm 4 says, I lie down and sleep because you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I will not fear the tens of thousands that are encamped around about me that's about to attack me because I know you hold my destiny. Jesus was able to sleep in that boat because he knew God's plan for him was not to die in that boat it was to die on a cross. He wasn't fearing death in a boat because he knew his destination was the cross. What if we spend time with Jesus to the point where we knew our destination? We knew what he was calling us for. If he was called you to be a, 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 a businessman who, who expands the kingdom of God, then you don't have to fear business failure even if it happened. hello, If he called you to raise up world changers as a parent, which is, by the way, called everybody, every parent, hey buddy, air five. You don't have to fear if your children make wrong choices and decisions. Just stop praying. Because your destination is not that. Your destination is that your children serve God and are making a difference in this world. That's your destination. Now you start trusting God for that. What if we spent time with Jesus and he showed us? We wouldn't fear anything else than that, right? So Peter was asleep um, in between all these 14 and upwards of 14, 16 guards. He was, he was, he was chained to these. He was, about, he was about to die. And just a while back, James was killed. Not in an easy way. It wasn't an execution bullet done. It's, you know, no pain. It was a painful death. (laughs) But Peter is skipping. La la. You might say, how can I sleep if I don't know how to pay my bills? Because that's not your destination. That's not where you're going to end. God's got better in, in store for you start seeking his face and start seeing the perspective that he wants you to see when you see his perspective it grants you faith faith comes by hearing the word of god if you lear- if you meet with god in prayer and you read his word and you see what he has planned for you the promise then that removes fear from your life if you have intense fear you really need a revelation of God's Father's, God the Father's love for you and His plan for your life. Fear can only exist in that place where you cannot see where God is leading you and that that is different from what you are currently facing. But if you know God is leading you somewhere is different, it might be uncertain, it might be tense, it might be scary, but fear won't hold you and paralyze you, you will grab a hold by faith of what God is moving you in and you will start pulling yourself that direction. Peter saw, thing, saw God change things too many times for him to be worrying about his execution the next day. He was going to trust God. There are a couple of other guys who who trusted God radically. In Daniel, Daniel's three friends were about to be executed by being thrown into like a massive bonfire. It's called a blazing furnace in the Bible. But for me, a bonfire. Okay, they say the following. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He's able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. What was he saying? This guy was saying, you know what? I know what the law says. I know what the policy of this company is. But we want you to know, big biggest boss, that there's a boss bigger than you that we serve. And he is able to save me regardless of what you decide to do with me today. You might fire me. But I'm not going to keep Jesus out of my life. In fact, it's impossible because he's in me. He came with me this morning. He's been coming with me the last six years that I've been working here. And if you have a problem with me, with Jesus coming with me to work, you take that up with him. But I cannot leave him out of my work environment. And I know what your law says. But I want you to know that I'm not going to bow to your system. I'm not going to bow to your rules that are clearly against the big boss's rules. Sir. That's essentially what they did. He will rescue us from your power. Your majesty. But even if he doesn't. Even if you do fire me. Even if he doesn't, I want you to know, I will not bow to your system. I will not worship this thing that you have built. It is not my source. It is not my protection. It is not my sustenance. God is. But even if God doesn't save us from the furnace, we want to make it clear to you, Sir, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. God is calling us to live with Him, live in Him, and bring Him with us into our lives. Now, when we spend time with God in prayer, when we seek His face, we learn to bring Him wherever we go and to trust him with whatever happens because he's there with us so here's a bit of a a spoiler alert peter wakes up not because he had a good night's rest but because he got a kick in the side bible says the angel had to had to strike him on the side to wake him up so here's the angel he's coming into real normal world he has to wake peter up peter is literally sleeping okay and he's 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 gone Like he's la-la land beyond that. And so the angel's like, Peter, wake up. Peter, wake up. Peter's not waking up. Peter, wake up. (laughs) Peter goes, what? You know, chains going everywhere. He goes, shh. Quiet. Stand up. Boom. Chains fall off him. Peter stands up. He thinks he's dreaming. Gates open. Walks through. Another gate open. Walks through. All past all the guards. All of them are sleeping. Walks out the prison. A block down the road all of a sudden the angel leaves peter and peter realizes for the first time this wasn't a dream he's actually out of the prison <laughs> the angel led him out of the prison and so he's like "Well," oh. goes to his friend's house they've been praying for him knocks on the door servant girl comes to see who is at the door she sees peter's at the door she leaves him there. <laughs> Guys, runs to the back room where they've been praying. Peter's at the door. What have they been doing? Praying, right? For who? Peter, right? So I'm assuming they were praying either, you know, he be strong in his, you know, in his experience, or that he be freed. While he's freed, and they go, oh, that's impossible. <laughs> so funny they've been praying for god to come through for peter Yeah, peter's at the door and they go no can't be can't be peter so she persists peter's at the door they go and sure enough peter's at the door what does this tell us god even doesn't god doesn't even need our perfect faith you know these guys were not even really Thinking that Peter was going to get out, <laughs> honestly, they didn't believe the servant girl when she came telling Peter's at the door. They're like, it's impossible. <laughs> what did you pray for? <laughs> and if it wasn't possible, why? He doesn't need our perfect faith. He just needs us to verbalize that we trust him. He just needs our pray. He needs us to say, Lord, we know you can do this. Do what you will. This is an invite for us to pray, everybody to pray. You don't even have to know how to pray. You can just show up and go, what he said, Lord, I, like, that's me too. It's not about knowing how to. It's that you're there to do it. I want us to stand as we close today. And here's what I want you to take home. If you stop praying, God will change things around you. What do you need to start fervently praying for? If you stop praying, God will change you. He will bring you faith. He will bring you courage. He will bring you hope. And if you do that, you will have the trust and the faith to keep going. No matter what happens. No matter how bad circumstances begin turning against you. God's still on the throne of your life. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are on the throne. No matter what any earthly leader tells us or do to us, Father, you will always save us out of that situation. And we will glorify you all the way. We want to make a decision today, Father, to first and foremost seek your face throughout this next three weeks, Lord. And create a different lifestyle where you are included in it, Lord, on a regular basis by by us praying, spending time in your presence. Lord, and then we just want to come and say thank you that we know that as we gather with you, you are there. That you indwell the praises of your people, Father. We bless you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen.